0: Welcome to the Salted Carmel podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel. This is a brand new podcast where we are going to spread evangelization stories to the ends of the earth from normal parishioners like yourselves. I'm David Cook, the stewardship director from Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and my co-host is the unforgettable Jody Curtis.
1: Our guest today is Leighton Drake. Leighton is the director of children and junior high faith formation at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. He's a husband and a father of five children and leads a ministry called Drawn to Life. And
0: in the last one, he just got a shout out from Vicki. So he's That's already right. a big faith influencer. So big That's episode right. here, guys.
1: That's right. Thank you, Leighton. So. Yeah. So, Leighton, I know that you grew up without the benefit of faith and religious beliefs. Tell us about that. How was that?
2: Well, so I grew up, well, at the time, I didn't know there was anything better, but I grew up. My mom was what I'd call kind of a closet Christian. She didn't practice her faith outwardly, going to church and everything, because my dad saw Christianity as a weakness. And he had really strong negative opinions about any kind of organized religion, but especially Christianity, just from some stuff he grew up with. And so I grew up with that. My dad was my hero. And so he modeled what being a man was. So for me, anything Christian was foolishness and just weakness. And so, but I always had a, I was always an insatiably curious kid i was always fascinated by you know the cosmos and the idea of god and all those different things and i was always very drawn as a i've always been an artist and i was drawn to music and literature and art as as an encounter with transcendence, but I didn't know what that meant or, and I would never have said that then, but it was just like this, always this ache and this longing insatiable hunger for more, for meaning, for, you know, for joy with a capital J. What did, what did you try to do to fill that thirst? Uh, I can't go into that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was was high school. That was high school. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I was, I tried, I tried to find the joy and that, and that deeper meaning through, again, like through art and, and beauty and, and everything. But it also led me to, um, you know, some serious foolishness in my high school years and young adult years, just got lost a little bit, kind of went off the road, you know, try, trying to seek that deeper meaning and sometimes in the wrong places. There's a definite yeah. emptiness to that. Too. Yeah, there was yeah. a totally, it's kind of like, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. We've lived here seven years, and it's kind of like the analogy I always use is in the summer when it's really hot, it's 110, 115 degrees out, and you're swimming, and you're so thirsty that you go for a Coca-Cola, and you drink that Coca-Cola, and it tastes so sweet and so good, but the minute you're done with it, you're thirstier, you know, and that's kind of like some of the... Stuff I, in you know, in my younger years is just that longing, trying to fill it with things that just couldn't fill it, and I ended up more thirsty, more hungry for oh, That's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. Is,
0: yeah. It For all you so, thirsty people out there.
2: <laughs>
1: so what happened to open you up to the possibility that God was real and desired a relationship with you?
2: So what happened was I, as a young man, I was in my 20s, and um, I would read books, and I was always a seeker still, but... I was invited. I was an illustrator, so I was invited to go down to this mission in uh, Yuma, Sonora, Mexico, and there was a mission called the uh, Casa Franciscana. I didn't know what a Catholic was. I knew nothing about Christianity, really. But it was a Franciscan mission, and and I they asked me to go down and do drawings to raise money for the mission and to um, and to promote it. And the truth was, the lady that invited me just knew I was a broken young man that was seeking, and she thought it'd be a good experience for me, and so. I went down there but it changed my life i didn't know what happened to me but i went down there and i saw joy and i saw love like i'd never seen him before and i couldn't put my head put it in my head how people were capable of giving up everything because these they lived very poor lives with the poorest of the poor in, in this area of mexico and i just couldn't wrap my mind around the kind of love that would that would go outside of you know that you'd go outside of yourself for others like that and it left such an impression so I started reading books, I was reading philosophy, I was reading, uh, I was really drawn to Eastern religions because I still had a real, real closed wall in my heart to Christianity because of my feelings about my dad and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that and it just got to a point where two years after I went to the mission, I was hungrier and thirstier than ever and I happened upon this book that was my mother's at my grandmother's house and it was called The Road Less Traveled by Dr. Scott Peck. And I read, I'm like a third of the book, way through the book or halfway, and it was moving my heart and it gave me hope for the first time in a long time. And then all of a sudden I realized I'd been tricked and he started, he was talking about God. And I was like, I've been had. (laughs) So, but it opened up my heart. I, I, I went, plowed through it, and that got me to start reading books on Christianity. And then I was drawn to Catholicism and came to believe it was founded by Christ on Peter and just... Two books that changed my life were Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. That changed, that converted my mind to Christianity because I could not get over the hurdle of the Incarnation, mm. that God could really love us that much. He'd actually take on flesh. That seemed absurd to me. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. And then the second one was The Seven Story Mountain by Thomas Merton, which converted my heart. I pretty much wept my way through the whole book. And I was reading philosophy that was way over my head and theology that was way over my head, but I I had a friend, a Catholic friend, that was just feeding me books. And I literally just fell in love with the church through reading and going to Mass and sitting in the back and hiding, you know, not knowing what to do, but just following what people are getting up and down and doing all the things we do. And, And we went into the RCIA, and so I was baptized, confirmed, and received First Holy Eucharist two weeks after my 29th birthday, and it was the best day ever.
1: Oh, fantastic.
2: You, yeah. you would say that the books were the main catalyst? Of yeah, the career, I mean, I think or, that's uh, how God, you know, some of the saints talk about that, how like in prayer and stuff, that they're reached by God through books, and that really was true for me. It's like he really still does. I mean, I still read a lot, but, you know, if I'm going through a, a struggle or anything, the first thing I do is I go to a book. I read a lot. Just be, keep, keep me, it, it's just, it's the way that I, seemed to connect with the Lord other than the sacraments and men through people.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely seemed like that wouldn't have even started had you not had this woman invite you to yeah. Casa sauna. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> kind of <laughs> or, like Providence or yeah, something. <laughs> exactly. What's that? Or you had the, uh, your Catholic friend feeding you books. Yeah. you know, like yeah. Those are two huge influencers yeah. that kind of get a sub-note in your... But if they weren't there
2: you would be a completely different man Absolutely. or your conversion would have been later. Yeah. God willing. So, Absolutely. Wow. And so, I mean, you see how the, the beauty of how that led to my family. Becoming, because we, I came from a family of, of Protestants, uh, Presbyterians and Disciples of Christ and everything, some of them non-practicing like my own family. Um, but I had aunt, aunts and uncles that were, they would, they practiced their faith in different Protestant churches, but I was the, one of the first Catholics in our family, I think, so. How did they respond to that? Hey, there were a couple of them that were a little freaked out a little bit, yeah. to be honest with you. But yeah. then afterwards, they saw changes in my, in my life and just in my view of life and everything. And afterwards, uh, my grandmother in particular, she, afterwards, she was freaked out. She was like... <laughs> What's happening to him? But then uh, a couple years later, I remember she told me, she said, I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. Oh, nice. They're very supportive. So
1: nice. What a beautiful story. Thank you. Was your conversion at this one time event from reading the books and then going through RCIA? No.
2: One of the things I had left out in my conversion was after I read Scott Peck's book, I literally one day my family was out of the house and I got on my knees and I just was bawling and I was like God if you're real save me I need I need you. Wow. And it was humiliating and like it was a total agnostic prayer. But something happened. I literally I'm not making it up. It, it was like being embraced. It's like a little child who's hurt and runs into the arms of the father or the mother and just is embraced. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like. And it gave me hope and it, sh- it was life-changing. And then that's what started my journey into the RCIA. And that's when I made the decision I'm giving my life to the Lord and the church. But, but you know, I thought that, well, that's it. But I found that the journey has been, been 20-something years and I've just been, I've found, you know, there's ups and downs like any relationship. The downs are always on me, <laughs> not the Lord. <laughs> but I've had some downs, some significant downs and some significant ups. And and something that that I I really connect with is there's this priest Monsignor Thomas Richter, he talks about the Christian life being that God gives we receive and then we live out of that receiving. And so my whole journey has been trying to live out of that identity as God's child. You know, because if I live out of that identity, then that things are good. But when I forget who I am and whose I am, then I'm in trouble. And I think that the thing that's really helped is prayer and the sacraments. But a thought came to me this morning when I was thinking about coming here. And my dad, he was, I I like to joke that my dad was, he was a pretty intimidating guy. And in my mind, he made Clint Eastwood, who I think is one of the toughest guys in the world, look like Mr. Rogers. Um, (laughs) And so my dad was a pretty tough guy. And so, but I remember uh, I had this memory this morning and it really touched me, I hadn't thought of it in years. And up to the day he died, which was about eight years ago, he would sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes he'd call me sweetheart. Aww. And I remember how much that, like, now looking back, it just means so much to me. It was just a very tender thing coming from my father. And I think that in my prayer, in that journey, the times when I've stumbled and the times that I've really lost my way, everything, it's always that coming back to the father. And and I think that's what the Lord does to us. He calls us sweetheart. He He draws us in and he... He forgives us. He has mercy on us, and it's a very beautiful thing. So I think that's been that's the icon of my journey, <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. I thought when I became Catholic, everything was like, oh, I was like angels are written, and I wasn't gonna have any issues or anything. I'm
1: good forever now, right? Yeah. Especially
2: after that, that
0: huge experience of, like, so much joy and uh, hope in yeah. that moment of being embraced by the Father. It's like, oh, no.
2: Oh, yeah. We still have the journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like any other relationship. Wow,
0: that's amazing. So what are some words of encouragement for people who haven't quite had that, that moment in their faith journey yet, or they're just trying to basically explore God, explore the faith? You know, you were very let me find the
2: information, let me read
0: about it. What would you say to some of those people?
2: I would say that the best thing to do is just spend time in prayer, just talking to the Lord, listening to the Lord, you know, uh, just listening to go to the chapel and just sit with him. But I'd also say read. I think sometimes, I think with technology now, sometimes even though we can read with technology, I think sometimes we get distracted by very superficial things, myself included, news and stuff, and we get lost in this bunny trail. And, I think it's really important to read really good books. Father Jacques Philippe is a wonderful writer. He writes very short books, I would suggest him as a starter. I I, I love reading Father Jacques Philippe because he just breaks it down to the basics of God's love. And hold on to the truth that you are God's beloved. And and I had two scriptures that I I thought of this morning. um, I've loved you with an everlasting love, which is from Jeremiah 31, verse 3. And then there's Isaiah 43.1, where he says, I've called you by name, you are mine. And there's even a song that puts us together that we hear at Mass sometimes. Okay. But if we can hold on and live out of those truths and just remember that, that when we get discouraged or start looking at ourselves with that eye of like, you're not worthy of, to, to hold on to those words, I think that's something that I'm still learning today is hold on to that identity as a beloved son or daughter of God. It's hard and, to do. Yeah, hold on to it. Yeah, I have this image of... Like when my kids, when they're little, and they grab on to, like if they were, there were a lot of people around, we we're at a carnival or something, they grab on to your, yeah, your left. your pant leg or whatever, and yeah. that's what I think of. We have to be that like that with the Lord, you know, like yeah.
0: don't let go of me.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> to a certain extent, don't
2: yeah. <laughs> push you off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he so. has to, yeah, he has to let you go <laughs> like a little a good bit. Parent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but I, I just think that's important. I think that just to be open and not feel like, like I felt like I had to know everything. Now, I'm, that's my personality. And you don't, you know, it's years later, and I'm still like a kindergartner, and that's okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Good for you. So who is your greatest faith influencer?
2: So I couldn't, I had to pick two. The first one was Kevin, who is the uh, Diocese of Phoenix prison director, who's one of my dearest friends, because I've never seen anyone live his discipleship more authentic, authentically. Mm-hmm. Just... He knows who he is and whose he is, and he just, he strives. He's just uh, like the icon of the man of God to me. Not perfect. He's just a man who relentlessly seeks after the heart of the Lord. And then my wife, uh, Kim, who, because no one has more purely modeled the relentless love of God than my wife. And just, just, you know, that relentless, never giving up type of love.
1: And I'm curious, was Kim Catholic when you met her?
2: So she, Kim was Kim was baptized Catholic as a little girl, but her uh, family kind of strayed from the faith, I guess. And when I started my journey, then it started stirring something, I guess, in her. And I'd come home from RCIA, and I'd pretty much give her the RCIA class for two hours. We'd have coffee, and I'd be like, and then we learn this, and then we learn this, and then we learn, this, then we learn the Trinity. Slow down, slow down. And so she started going through it, and then she was confirmed because she'd never been confirmed. And, So, yeah. Our whole slogan at Our Lady of Mount Carmel is being grateful no matter what. What is something that you're grateful for no matter what? Okay. Um, I am grateful that I am a beloved son of the Father. Um, I think that's essential for me to always remember. And I am grateful for his, his, I use that word, I think I've used, this is my third time, relentless. (laughs) That's my catchphrase right now, or catchword. His relentless love and his mercy that he never gives up on me. You know, like a good father, he never gives up on his his child.
1: And, you know, we like to stick with our theme, the salted caramel, and ask our guests, how are you staying salty?
2: How do I? So uh, how I stay salty is I get up early in the morning and I pray for quite a while, because if I don't, I'm just a mess. So I pray. um, I love the Liturgy of the Hours um, and pray with Scripture. I, like I said earlier, I read really good books. Um, Fellowship is essential for me. I meet, uh, there's men in my life that I meet with and we'll talk and we're real with each other and share our lives and hold each other accountable. I've been doing that for a while. Of course, the sacraments, Eucharist um, and confession is essential for me. And then service, obviously, you know, like getting outside of myself and giving myself.
0: So. Yeah. so basically, those are the I essentials. Do, what a good Catholic should do. That's yeah. part, That's <laughs> it's right. funny how it can all be summed up in the Catholic life. <laughs> <laughs> there's something um, to that. <laughs> I don't know who started it. But one thing I would ask you is you mentioned close uh, fellowship with other men. Is that something that was organized that you joined, or is that something that you started yourself? Or if, if there's other men out there, how, how do you recommend them? I would
2: recommend, uh, I just recognized, I had it in Phoenix, and then I had it for a time um, when I first moved to Carmel, and then I lost it for a while just because of busyness with schedules and things. And I rediscovered it just a few years ago. And to be honest, it's me seeking it out. It happened naturally in Phoenix. I had gone on a curseo, and it just happened. We met for years and years before I moved. But And then my friend Kevin and I would meet. when we, we, I did prison ministry with him for a time, and we'd meet for coffee and talk. But um, it's something I had to seek out. I had to ask a couple guys, hey, I need to meet with someone and get to, and it was the guys that I connected with and I just felt like there was something there, there. Yeah. And I've been doing that for a while and it's just, uh, do it, you know, uh, at least a couple times a month um, with a couple different guys. So. That's amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and with all, all of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. You
2: have anything to add,
1: now No, beautiful story, Leighton, really. Thank Thanks you, Thanks for Jody. sharing today.
2: Thank yeah. you very much. She has to As you can day. see, I'm shy about talking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Each week, we will be answering a question from the parish and or our listeners. You can submit a question by emailing us at saltedcarmel at olmc the one, dot org. David, this week's question is, did you ever help or walk with someone going through a tough time? And what was that like?
0: Yes, I believe we've all have done this to some extent. Um there's a couple moments that I'm trying to think of, and I want to pinpoint one for you. Some weren't pleasant. I I've had to. I was a resident assistant in college. Basically, I was the guy in the dorm that hung out, and I was trained to be aware for suicidal signs. And so I essentially had this heart-to-heart with this student who was going through suicidal thoughts and was struggling with lack of self-worth. And I was able to walk with him the best way I could. I'm not a trained counselor. I didn't ask him all these great questions, but I was trained to a certain extent. And plus, I, w- I was a human, so I could just be there and listen to him when half the time our, our loneliness is just no one's there for us. No one cares for us. And so it was terrifying to go through that. It was exhausting to go through it. But at the end, I was grateful that I did. I felt that I actually helped someone. I felt that my day was better. And he ended up getting counseling, but not being able to finish the college semester. He had to drop out and live at home for a little bit. And then I believe he came back four to five months later, he told me. And I didn't have to keep following up with him. He was not my responsibility, but I was. A, God put me there in that moment to help direct him to a counselor, to help walk with him actually to the counselor's office and that's how i was able to love him
1: nice thank you for sharing that david let's end with a prayer god our father i pray that through the holy spirit i might hear the call of the new evangelization to deepen my faith grow in confidence to proclaim the gospel and boldly witness to the saving grace of your son jesus christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit one God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening today.
0: And stay salty.